Hello and welcome to the Helmet to Helmet podcast. I'm Jack Sheldon, here with Jack Thompson and Charlie McElworth. Say hi boys. Yo, what's up? What's it saying? The NFL offseason is officially underway and there's already a lot to talk about. Today we take you through the five biggest NFL stories of the week. Let's get into it. Right then, lads, we're kicking off the show with your team, the Dallas Cowgirls. Sorry, I did mean the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowgirls was your defensive side of the ball this year, am I right? You're not keeping Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, he started <laughs> early there, already. mate. Started far too early in the podcast there. Right, I can tell you're both a little bit excited to get going with this one, so I'll let you take the lead. But to def- decide who goes first, I've got a little quiz question for you. You ready? Can't yep. wait. Who was the team's running back who won the rushing title the year before Zeke was drafted? Um, DeMarco Murray. Correct. Jack, take hey. this one. Take it home. GG's boy. I realise probably Charlie was probably a bit behind on that one because I don't think you were watching the NFL that much then, Charles. Is that right? I wasn't watching it that much then. 2017, really, when I started to get into it, yeah. There you go. Right, Jack, kick us off. Yeah, so my name's Jack. I've been following the Cowboys since about 2015, which when I started watching the NFL. It wasn't the best season to start watching them, to be fair, since they went 4-12. and 12. But the draft and the season that followed that with Dak becoming the starting QB after Tony Romo got injured and Zeke getting drafted um, got me hooked on the franchise and in the, on the NFL in general. So I've been a Cowboys fan ever since then. And I've also played a bit of American football myself. Um, I used to play wide receiver. So, yeah, that's a bit about me. So, I'm Charlie. Um, Jack got me into the NFL in 2017. Um, I was not a fan of it at all. Had all, all types of uh, misconceptions about it. And I'm, I'm an addict. Um, <laughs> big Dallas Cowboy fan. I'm our resident Super Bowl fantasy winner. I'm the only one with a ring, Bush 3. Uh, going into next, next year, the last pick, you know, as you do. But yeah, that's uh, that's my bit of background about me. <laughs> right, I'm I'm Jack. I'm a, a big Seahawks fan. Been following the NFL for about uh, ten years, I think. I was playing playing Madden and stuff um, a while ago. Obviously, been been watching it and stuff like that. So yeah, about ten years I've been watching it, and that's about it, really. You're all up in the college scene as well, aren't you? Yeah, I watch a fair bit to be honest. I'm not sure, not sure I find time to do anything else. But um, just because obviously you boys didn't mention it, just so the listeners know, Jack and Charlie are cousins. So there you go. I knew Charlie from yeah, school, and I've met Jack through um, through Charlie. So there you go. Big happy helmet to helmet family. And ju- just just to clarify, with the uh, the fantasy league, I, I have the first pick. I tanked for Trevor. Um, so that's about it, really. <laughs> You'll be hearing much more about um, Fantasy League and our yeah. top uh, waivers. And we're going to do a little mock draft as well. I think at some point might get a little guest on for that too. So it's well, quite exciting. Charlie's just giving away some of our secrets there. So there you go, yeah. All right, guys, to kick us off, I'll talk a little bit about Dak in Dallas. Um, I think we're just going to go over his contract situation, the Cowboys front office, what they're doing, and whether or not he needs to be paid. So, Charlie, do you want to kick it off, mate? Yeah, so uh, the ongoing saga between Dak and the Cowboys continues. You know, it feels like it's been going on forever. Cowboys, we just want to get a deal done. Dak's our QB. We love him. Last year highlighted that he's not the issue. Defensive side of the ball is the issue. 
I feel like at the moment there's a lot of bad blood between uh, Jerry and Dak, and I do worry about this deal finally getting done at some point. You know, I'm starting to see a lot of a lot of rumours and a lot of speculation about uh, a trade and about the Cowboys being interested in other quarterbacks. For me, Dak is our quarterback. I want him to stay. His numbers are as good as anyone's, really, if you line them up head-to-head over the last few years. Unfortunate this year that he was having a good year. You know, he had that horrible injury, and it's kind of set him back a little bit, but the comeback's going to be great for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think about it, Jack? I think, obviously, there's you can tag him again and that kind of gets you this season but it doesn't move you forward it doesn't mean that the franchise can then settle for the next five years and like really push forward it just means you're just in this constant state of flux like what yeah I agree man I think um I think tagging him now would be a mistake especially after tagging him last year it seems like the main reason that they can't get a deal done and haven't got a deal done so far is the longevity of the contract Dak wants a short-term contract up to four years are the numbers that have been released by press that are close to him. Whereas the Joneses have openly said that they're looking for something of a five-year term minimum. So I think that's the biggest issue at the moment. Um, I don't think it's so much a money issue. I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that they want him long-term and he wants to earn as much money as he can by having more than one contract, which is understandable. If you break down some of his figures, since signing in 2016, he's earned $35 million with the Cowboys, based purely on salary. 31 and a half of that came from his franchise tag in the 2020 season. Yeah. So, you know, for a guy that's considered a top five quarterback in the league, he's played on discount. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think, obviously, I think getting a multi-year contract on for Dak would help the Cowboys massively. I think with, obviously, the cap going down this year, which I think it's the first time it'll go down in over a decade. It's going to go down... I think about 15 to 20 mil is what I read, um, which is no mean feat. I mean, you're going to be paying him, you were paying him 25 million this year. So you're losing in the cap what what you were going to pay him. And you're going to have to pay him more coming off an injury if you tag him again, which is which is crazy. You're going to pay him 12 million more coming off a like, pretty serious injury where he could, he could not even be the same again. Obviously, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but it would help the Cowboys massively to get that multi-year deal done. Something like Mahomes and, and you wait all the money back towards the end. But as you've said, he wants to sign two contracts in his career. He doesn't want this Mahomes 10-year 10 10 year deal. It's just not it's just not going to work for him. Yeah, I also don't think Dallas are willing to um, put that much investment into him in regards to Mahomes. He's a half a billion pound man yeah. over 10 years. I don't think the Cowboys are looking at that, that sort of astronomical contract. Um, you know, I think they're looking at just setting him the market value, which now um, is around forty million. Yeah, it's between thirty-five and forty. If you look at the kind of QBs he'd be, be sort of yeah. compared to, so Watson, Wilson, all, all those kind of boys. Yeah, so I think you know he's going to be looking at a forty mil a year contract. I hope he gets one for around four years. I think that'll be the perfect ending yeah. to the story. So. Yeah, I think obviously I don't expect him to hit free agency this year and I would find it very odd if he was traded because he can literally just, like any team that would trade for him, I'd find it really, really, really weird because if he doesn't sign anything this year before the before March, he can get tagged. And if not, then then that's it really. So, I mean, interesting for me to watch. I know you boys might 
not like looking at uh, looking at it into it as much as me because it's I just get to watch you boys squirm really, um, which is quite nice. Yeah. yeah, for me, if we franchise tag him again this year, I can't see him signing a long term deal. I think. No, I think that'll really burn the bridges. To be fair, I think he'll be like, "Well, okay, I'll play for you one more year." Yeah, and he's he's proved his capabilities over his term at the Cowboys. He had a a year last year, four thousand nine hundred two yards, unreal. We we missed out on yeah. playoffs, but he again he isn't the issue here. He's forty two and twenty seven as a starter over five years. Never missed a game. Unfortunate last year he had that serious injury, but. One one part of the, his game that I would have liked to have seen a bit more until that injury was his running game because I I think yeah. he's quite similar to yeah I agree yeah I think he's quite similar to someone like Josh Allen who can get yards with his legs if he needs to he's he's an athlete he's built like a brick outhouse he's a unit so I would like that I'd like to see that part of his game a bit more yeah I think obviously that's going to be difficult to want to see that anymore like every time he runs you boys are going to be holding your breath. Yeah, with the rest of rest of all, all of Texas, so uh, that's difficult. But I think it'd be interesting to see how, how this turns out. But I don't know really know what Jerry's thinking, to be honest. Well, I don't think he can look at Dak and think you know he's the reason for us losing games, mm. like I've seen a lot of Cowboys fans suggest. Um, for example, look at the start of the twenty twenty season before Dak got injured. They were two and three. One of the, for example, the win against the Falcons. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't have won that game. <laughs> yeah, comeback. That was on Dak, that win. I don't think you can put the losses solely on Dak, especially when you look at Zeke, his fumble issues, his lack of production. You look at the defence that couldn't stop a nosebleed all season. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think I looked at the stats the other day and I think you gave up 30-plus points in four of your first five games. Like You don't win games in the NFL giving up 30-plus points yeah. every week. You, you know, you can have an offence that are putting up 30, 40 points, but if your defence are letting that many through as well, then it's, it, may, yeah. it may as well be nil-nil. Yeah. Um, and then also, if you look at the team where they're at with Andy Dalton as the quarterback. Yeah, you can't just inject anybody in here. Yeah, you can't just put someone in there and expect them to be amazing because they're surrounded by elite talent like Zeke, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. The O-line was a bit washed up last season, but you know, you look at the O-line talent as a whole, they have the capability to be a really strong O-line. We showed that you can't just whack anybody in there um, and expect the production that Dak provides you. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to get your, your boys' view on this. With Dak healthy and with the talent you've got on your roster... You don't get a pick at number ten again. No, no. you just don't. So what would what would you do? Would you would you draft a quarterback and move on from Dak and then fix your next ten years, or push forward for the next five with Dak? Charlie, you can go first on that one, mate. <laughs> Stump Jack on that one. <laughs> yeah. So we've already discussed this between ourselves. For me, I'd stay with Dak unless Deshaun's on the table. He's for me. He's Mahomes level unreal. Um, we got. We're going to have a chat about him later, and we'll we'll discuss that further. But I think Dax Dax earned his money. He's he's ready to go. And we, I don't know if we're going to mention the the hype video which he was emitted from. But for me, on the hype, going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. If if Dak was the hype video, that would have got me so much more hyped than the actual hype video. Just Dak. I haven't I haven't watched it myself, but to leave him out is an odd decision, and it must have been a mistake. Well, to put it into perspective, Shell, Ben DiNucci was in there. 
<laughs> Sorry, I have to take a second on that one. Didn't Jerry say that he would never wear a Dallas Cowboys uniform again after that one game that he started? I don't know about that. Did I, he say- on the radio, on his radio show, which he does every week in in yeah, Dallas, yeah. He, I think I'd, I'd have to double check, but I'd have to find it. But he definitely said he didn't want him wearing a Cowboys uniform again. And if he's in the hype video, that will just make my life. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. That is devastating for that dude, man. <laughs> if he did say that. <laughs> Yeah, so going back from, to your original question, Shell, um, I don't think you find the talent like Dak every draft. Um, and especially looking at this draft class and looking at who's ahead of us, how many QBs are going to go ahead? Four, five QBs um, before the number 10 pick. And then you look at someone like Dak Prescott, who elevates your offense, relieves pressure on the defensive side of the ball, which we know all too well that he's desperately needed. He's a leader on and off the field to the players and he just has the complete traits of a QB. I don't think that you find that in every draft, let alone, you know, to then draft somebody and take that risk and drop a guy like that. Also, like Charlie said, he's earned the money and I think that at number 10, you just shore up someone that's an absolute weapon, either O-line, I think that's somewhere that we need a new elite talent. Yeah. Um, Tyron Smith's looking like he's on his last legs or someone that can just shore up the defence, preferably you need safety the secondary. Yeah, the secondary, I think, needs the most help. Saying that, though, linebacker court isn't looking too hot. I think it's pretty open how I feel about Jalen Smith at the moment. <laughs> now we've got a podcast. <laughs> now we've got a podcast. I think it's pretty open. <laughs> yeah, so I think Jalen Smith's just playing like an absolute weapon at the moment, not in a good way. Leighton Van Der Esch can't keep himself on the field, which isn't ideal either for a first-round draft pick. Yeah, And your, your D-line as well. I'd like to see Dontari Poe come back. But yeah, I think keep Dak, shore up the most elite talent that you can find, preferably on the defensive side of the ball, because I think he elevates the offence to a point where we are a really, really good yeah. team if the defence can hold their own side of the ball. So on to our next news story of the week, which, um, to be honest, it's it's pretty close to home for me. Um, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. I I don't know what's happened this week, to be honest, but uh, a lot's been said uh, and there's probably a lot to unpack. So um, let's get started. Uh, Wilson said this week on the Dan Patrick show, he's frustrated with getting hit too much. That was his exact quote. Um, And has also stated in the last few weeks that he wants to be more involved in personnel decisions in the front office. Uh, Obviously, Adam Gase has just been hired as the offensive coordinator. And I have no idea how how this guy's got a job in the NFL still. Not, I mean, he should just be cleaning the cleats, surely. Like, that's that's what he should be doing. He's had two abject failures, both in Miami and, and New York. And we had a guy like Doug Peterson sat there, who I would probably say is a far more sort of settled offensive game plan so uh, again I just don't know what the decisions are you I'll, I'll hand it over to you boys first I've got a few more things to sort of bring up but what what do you think Jack I'll start with you I think it's pretty obvious now that he's not happy in uh, Seattle he stated it himself and a lot of people close to him have been releasing things that he's saying and how he feels about the team and management personnel things like that And I think it's warranted, to be honest. If you look at the last nine seasons that he's been with Seattle, he's been sacked 394 times. Yeah. You can't allow that to happen. (laughs) Yeah, you can't allow that to happen on a talent like him. No. So, yeah, I think there's reasons for that, not just his O-line. I think that he encourages sacks a little bit. I think there's a, a number of reasons why he encourages sacks. 
on himself. But I also think there's deeper rooted problems. He's expressed that he's unhappy with the team's offensive approach. But I do think that the solution's simple. I think if you bolster the O-line, let Russ cook. He's got DK Metcalf, he's got Lockett, Carson, uh, Hyde as his running back rotation. You know, you have the potential to let him absolutely feast on defences. So I think if you get him a solid line in front of him, let him play the way he needs to play, uh, the Seahawks will be elevated massively. And I think all of his worries and woes and discontent with the with the team will, will go. Well, I think, um, interestingly, they haven't renewed the contract of any O-linemen drafted since Russell's been That's there. That's right, yeah. We haven't extended a lineman that we've drafted since 2012, which is, which is mad. Yeah. There's no continuity there for him. And, you know, Jack's just mentioned Leprous Cook and that he wasn't happy with the offensive play style. I think Leprous Cook has kind of backfired and you can't just rely on one man to to win you game after game after game. People can prepare for it. And I think the fact that Carson was hurt last year and the bad O-line really did harm the Seahawks on the whole. For me, it's sad to hear that Russell isn't happy there. He, I thought he'd be the QB for forever. I didn't think he'd have any other team, but it is interesting what he's saying and also interesting that neither Pete Carroll nor GM John Schneider have come out publicly and yeah. addressed the matter. Yeah, I think that's the one of the surprising things for me. I think something that I would probably have a look at is that he's only two years, he only has two years left on his, on his four-year deal that he signed, um, obviously a couple of years ago now. He has been sacked a lot. So he's got a couple of years left on a deal. We've got two of the off starting O-linemen, um, I believe the centre, got it here, um, Posich and the guard, um, Iopati, are both free agents this year, which I think is why this conversation's come up. So he knows that two of his offensive linemen are about to go. He wants them to invest. So we have spent the we've spent the <laughs> we've spent the least amount of cap space on offensive linemen in the league since 2014. We just do not spend money there. That's it. So he obviously Wilson's not not a, a stupid guy. He's understanding this, and there's only a couple of ways he can make the team do it, and that's by expressing his his sort of anger. So I, I think this is more just posturing for an extension and for the team to invest in the O line in free agency and the draft. I don't think yeah. we trade him. Well, we won't trade him. That, no, I don't I think, think you do either. It's the, same, it's the same situation that we'll get to later with with a different quarterback in the league. But we we don't trade him. We, I mean, we've got we've got some some decent pieces on the O line. We drafted Damian Lewis this year out of LSU, and he had a solid year. Uh, and obviously, we, we spoke about how many times he got sacked. There is a few tendencies that he has. He holds on the ball onto the ball a, a, a fraction too long, which can create these amazing plays where he chucks a. 60-yard deep ball to DK and he catches it out the sky. I think he calls him a moon ball, um, which is just a great name for a throw in my head. But It is a moon ball, though. <laughs> it literally off, comes right? down like and drops into his hands, which is great. Um, and he also, I've seen a couple of times this year, he's literally staring at a blitzer off the edge. The ball's snapped and within like two seconds, this guy's in his face and takes him down. But he just doesn't see it pre-snap. It's really odd. Um, but again, we've got the oldest coach in the NFL, Pete Carroll, 69 years old. He'll want to win now. Like he, there's only so many years he can coach. Wilson's going into his 10th year. If we were, if the worst thing was to happen and we traded him, he'd want to go to a team that's set up to win now because he's in his 10th year. But how is a team that's set up to win now going to give us enough draft capital to, to, to sort of say, oh yeah, we'll give up Russell Wilson for that. So I, I don't think it happens. It's an interesting story and I think it will rumble on. 
But again, I think it's he wants he wants a nice big extension and he wants some money spent on his O line. Yeah, I think the Seahawks would have to do something seriously wrong in free agency, in the draft, or even as far as next season in the twenty twenty one season for for Wilson to actually ask for a trade and be serious about leaving yeah. the team. I don't think it's a situation this off season where it's going to be like, oh, will he go? Won't he go? I don't think he will. No, I don't think there's um, any way we tra- we trade him, and I don't think that. I mean, teams will ring because I think they'll they'll try. Anyone will try it, but it's just not happening. It's just a bit of posturing. It's a it's a story at the start of the off season. But I was very surprised for Russell Wilson to actually throw his offensive lineman under the bus like that. Like I'm getting hit too much. That's yeah. not something that you expect from him. He's he's no. far more careful with his words normally. Do you think the situation will improve if some investment is put into the O-line? 100%. That's all he wants. Yeah, but do you think he'll get sacked less? That's an interesting point. I think if we have a stronger O-line, we'll pass more. So does that take the sacks down? Uh, it doesn't take the hits down. I don't think he holds on to the ball long enough to get get a couple of hits. And we've, we're in a division where we've got to play a couple of teams, the Rams and the 49ers, whose defensive yeah. lines are unreal, like two of the best in the league. So he is going to take the shots. I just don't think you can expect him not to get hit. But if we could get, get three first rounders for him and another QB in return, I'd probably take it. But I don't think anyone gives us that. What about Dak Prescott and a 2021 10th overall pick? Would you take that? No, I'm not giving up one. Uh, not with Dak coming off an injury. If Dak wasn't injured this year and had a similar year to 2019, then I think I'd consider it. But we st- we would still have to then pay Dak, so that would really like put us put us in a hole as well. It would be an odd situation. I think I don't know whether you boys want that to happen. Well, you know, Ciara is from Dallas, so <laughs> I want to come home. No, I think I think I'd stick with Dak. To be honest, yeah, I think he's got a few more years left in him than Russ has. So. That would be my... Well, there's only six years between them, isn't there? I think yeah. Dak's... What, is Russell Wilson 32? Uh, Dak's 26. Yes. Yeah, he came out um 2012 draft, so it's his 10th season coming up. Yeah. Dak's 27, yeah. But, show this is something interesting that I found. Um, it's an article looking at Russell Wilson's play style and if that was a bigger cause of his problems in Seattle yeah. than his O-line. And it basically blames his play style as the issue for why he's getting hit so much. Um, and he talks about a few things, but I'll just break them down to the bullet points and see what you think about it. He's ranked, in terms of longest, this is second longest, third longest, 12th and fifth longest throughout 2017 to 2020 in order to throw the ball. So, you know, he's got one of the slowest snap times in regards to release, sorry. And then it was fifth slowest in 2020. He's five foot eleven, and also he likes to let the play develop with your receivers like Metcalf and Lockett. So do you think those factors combined are the perfect scenario for a QB to get sacked and hit as much as he does? I mean, it doesn't help. One thing I would say is our, our offensive scheme is so simple. And even with talent like DK and Tyler Lockett, they struggle to get open. Like if you watch people like, if you watch teams like uh, the 49ers, their, their receivers are simply not as good as what we've got in Seattle. But these guys are open by 10 yards when they've got the ball. Yeah. Like we don't have that. There's always just a yard or he's got to fit it in a small window. So I think that's partially offensive scheme. And if you look at his first few years in Seattle, we had a, a, a good run game. Like, unbelievable. We had Marshawn Lynch. We had an offensive line that just used to just pancake people and just roll through them. Obviously, we yeah. don't have that anymore. But even then, he was taking sacks. And that's because he had to. He didn't have the same talent around him. So he was having to hold on to the ball, play off script. And don't get me wrong, it's great to watch. But... I think there's there's improvements to be made and 
the last three or four years, at the start of every season, people breaking down the Seattle season have gone, we need to improve on the O-line. It's just something that we haven't done. It's sort of similar to Dallas in regards to their secondary. Yeah. It's the position of neglect for your franchise. Yes, exactly. Which is frustrating because if you're just watching something like why would you just keep shooting yourself in the foot like you cannot win a Super Bowl with an offensive line as as let's face it as as putrid as ours like getting them as many sacks as we did and this lit Russ Cook thing it was working until he I think he threw three picks in a game and then it's like Carol panicked and went well we just got to go back to the run he threw three picks just carry on we'd lost one game at that point just let it go it's fine. So again, lots to unpick, and I think this will come up pretty consistently until we until free agency hits. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's uh, tough for me to read all this stuff about him getting traded, but I don't really believe it. Would be my main point. I think he's just he just wants um, he just wants some attention and, and some money spending. Uh, we've got our, our next story of the week, which is obviously um, again. I think if this if this comes off, this will be the biggest trade in NFL history. If Watson leaves the Texans. I think someone's going to have to offer them the bag in in those terms. So we'll have a look at this. We've got the 25-year-old quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who has just won the passing title. So he had 4,823 yards this year with over a 70% completion, 33 TDs, seven interceptions. uh, And that was without his best receiver and arguably a top receiver in the league, which is DeAndre Hopkins, which was (laughs) he was traded for a second round pick. How do you guys see this one? So for me, yeah, it brings us back to the start and the argument that I'm going to have with Jack now is I take Deshaun over Dak any day of the week and twice on Sundays. So pro football focus graded Watson with a 19th best regular season passing grade of 91.2. That's without his best receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, a terrible defence and no running game. As Sheldon said already, 4,823 yards first, 33 touchdowns, tied 7th, 7 ints, tied 7th, and 112.4 passer rating, second to only the MVP, Aaron Rodgers. While Dax, the trust fund kid, surrounded by Zeke, CD, Amari, Gallup, Deshaun Watson's putting up season numbers with garden furniture. I think it, <laughs> I think he's got to go. No, he, he is, and... The Texans are in a rebuild. It's it's no question about it. You know, released DeAndre Hopkins last year, or trading him. Sorry, uh, released JJ Watt this year. You can't waste talent like Deshaun. He's got to go somewhere. I agree, but and it's going to be as Sheldon said, the bag. Yeah, trading Watson would be unless unless obviously they got something crazy for him. Typically, you don't trade your franchise QB, do you? I think if they look at trading him, they've got to admit to themselves that they're in a rebuild. And just start from scratch. Yeah. I think there's no question about that. They've lost two of their three best players in two years. Exactly. The D-hop thing sort of just made that apparent. And that, that was kind of Bill O'Brien. And the regime's changed since. But I, I think this all started, I don't know if you boys remember back to the playoffs 2019. This all started that the Texans had a 21-point lead in the first quarter over the Chiefs. And they lost that yeah. game. Yeah. Since then, their whole franchise has spiralled completely out of control. Like They, they lost everything. So uh, after that game, that's where I think the mistrust started. And obviously trading D-Hop, who Watson was quite close to personally as well. And I think he found out via Twitter. They didn't yeah. tell him that they True. traded his, his like one of his good mates and his receipt and his number one receiver. So again, they obviously he obviously doesn't trust them anymore. They've just signed into a massive deal. So if anyone does trade for him, 
they're going to have to give up a lot. But there's a few teams that... Jerry, can... pick up the phone, boy. <laughs> no, I don't think even Dallas have got... Jerry might have enough money in his pockets at home or in his safe, but he doesn't He doesn't have enough draft picks, unfortunately. <laughs> um, there's a few, I think there's a few teams we can kind of have a look at and, and see that he would, I think, uh, could have the, the capital to get him. Yeah. He wants to go first with their, their kind of favourite destination for Watson. Yeah, so I'll go. I do think at the moment that the Texans aren't ready to talk about a trade yet. But if they do, I think that this deal, like we've said, just is going to be huge. I can see three first round picks as a minimum or a package that includes some combination of two firsts, a couple of other high round picks and youngish starters. Yeah. Um and I think the Texans would probably prefer starters on the defensive side of the ball. That frees up their offense to have a rebuild if they do trade um, Watson. I think in regards to a destination, you're looking at either the Broncos or the 49ers. I've seen a few reports saying that the Jets or Dolphins might be a good zone for him to go to, but I don't think there's interest there from Watson himself, which I think is going to play a massive part in, in this trade. I think a lot of it is going to be where do I want to play, yeah. speaking from Deshaun Watson's perspective. So, yeah, the 49ers have 13.4 mil in available cap space and the 12th overall pick in 2021. They've got their first round picks each year after that as well. And then the Broncos, they've got 32 mil in available cap space and the ninth overall pick in the 2021 draft, as well as first round picks after that as well. So I think there you've got two really viable teams that could have Watson dropped into the team and make an impact and elevate that team instantly. And I think, you know, you look at like the Broncos, um, you've got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, uh, Melvin Gordon at running back and Noah Fant at the tight end position um, with an improving O-line. I think there's a lot that gives Denver the edge there. And I think if I had to put a favourite on that, it'd probably be the Broncos. So I didn't have on mine that they, I never I kind of had a think about them and then kind of left them off I think I didn't think they had I enough to get I think that's the only position uh, that he would yeah I think so why wouldn't you want Miami it's a good question they've got Brian Flores who's managed to complete the rebuild there they've got plenty of draft capital so for me I had the Jets San Francisco and the Dolphins I think the Jets is kind of a bit of a lateral move he wants to go somewhere to win now they're still in a big rebuild. Their defensive line's bad. They've got Mekai Becton and that's it. Um, when, if they if they trade for him, they're going to lose a lot of draft capital, which would have been put into the offensive line. And also, from the Jets' point of view, they can pick up a real good quarterback at number two and also get weapons for him with the 23rd overall and the 34th overall. So I can't see him going to the Jets. My ideal destination is the 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan with that type of quarterback would be scary. I think they'd instantaneously become a Super Bowl contender. They've got a good O-line. They've got a good running game in most of it. And they've got a lot of weapons in Kittle, Debo Samuel and Ayuk. Um, I don't think the 49ers have the draft capital to do that. So I think they'd have to include the packages Jack was talking about, whether that includes two first rounders and potentially Nick Bosa or or someone like that. It'll be interesting. Lastly, Miami. I think Miami could be a good destination for him. Brian Flores has finished his rebuild there. They're in a position to win now. They've got the draft capital to facilitate the trade. And the only issue really is the weapons. I don't think Devontae Parker on his own is good enough for 
them to be competing at the next level. I think they need a few more around him, but by having Deshaun there living in Miami, they're going to attract a few a few free agents. So yeah, I mean, I had I had those teams. Where I had Miami, the Jets, and the 49ers. Obviously, I don't want him to go to San Francisco. That would make the NFC West absolutely brutal. It would be awful. But I mean, the 49ers, I think, could get it done. They've got Jimmy G that they could put as part of the deal. They've got 12th overall pick this year. And I had a look at their um, defensive line. And this is just from their depth chart. They've got one, two... They've got seven defensive linemen that were drafted in the first round. I mean, that is an absolute embarrassment of riches. You can give them, you can give them one or two of these guys. You've got Bosa, Armstead, Dion Jordan, Solomon Thomas, Javon Kinlaw, uh, D. Ford and Ziggy Anser. That's a lot of first-round talent on your D-line. And keeping in mind, the Texans have just lost... Uh, just lost JJ Watt, which we'll get on to next. But that's a, not a bad way of, I think, putting that deal together. We've got uh, the Jets, who've got obviously Darnold, the second and the 23rd pick this year. Could be an option again, as, as we've discussed. It's kind of you're moving somewhere to not win now, to maybe win in a few years. And let's be honest, the Jets is a pretty dysfunctional franchise, just like the Texans. So whether he'd go there or not, but it's not up to him. It's up to the Texans. Once he says, I want to go... They can accept any offer. And if I was a Texans, I'd send him to the Jets. I wouldn't send him to somewhere that could win. Yeah, you wouldn't really want to do that, would no, you? No, exactly. And obviously, we've got Miami. They'd probably have to have two back in return, which would be an interesting um, thing for him. They've got the third and the 18th pick. And the last one I had was Carolina. And I read about this, and they were really quite heavily involved in the Stafford talks. Which Yeah, they were. Um, which is something else. They've got the number eight pick this year and they've got Teddy Bridgewater, who is, let's be honest, he's, he's like a modern day Fitzpatrick. They just bring him in. You just bridge a gap for a season or two. They like bring a QB up behind him. So I think that would be an interesting spot for him. I think they've got quite a talented team with their receivers. So if I was him, they would be, they would be a team that I would look at. Um, although they are in the NFC South with the Saints, the Bucks, the Falcons. But again, that's that division is about to just be decimated with QB retirements. Breeze and Brady are old and aging. So again, that might be a good place for him to land. Yeah. Lots of options for, for Watson there, as, as we've just discussed. But again, this one will rumble on just like the Prescott story and the Wilson story for the rest of the offseason. I do hope it happens just for Deshaun's sake. <laughs> I think he wants out. Uh, obviously, uh, we've been speaking about the Texans, so it brings us on to, to JJ Watt. Obviously, he's been released this week by the Texans. Uh, said to be mutual consent. I think he asked for his release uh, and they obliged. Obviously, slightly different situation to Watson. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think he's got quite a few options of where he could end up. It's an interesting one because you've got a family element to it as well. I think the most obvious choice is a funny one because it's strictly to do with his brothers. Obviously, they can accommodate him. Um, I think Bud Dupree, it's highly likely that he's going to leave in free agency. Um, which obviously means there's a spot opening up. It's just whether or not the Steelers want to invest the capital into the D-line and also bring him in with his brothers. I don't know if he takes a discount there just because his brothers are there. If he does, that would be an interesting twist. But yeah, Charles, what do you think about the Steelers? Yeah, I think the cap space might be an issue for him. Obviously, it would make it a family affair. First time three brothers have played in the same team in the NFL ever. Interesting. That's a good stat. I don't mind that. Yeah, but from a Steelers' point of view, do they need him? Is he a need? They've already got a really good defence. Do they invest a bit more money in the offensive side of the ball? I don't know. I, I don't see the move. It's, I mean, it's a nice story, but I don't see the move for the Steelers. Their O-line is, is good at pass blocking. It, it, it literally cannot run block, and they don't have any good running backs. So 
that's where I think they should invest. But again, strange things had happened in the Yeah, end. and just to, just to add to this conversation, um, the retirement of Marquis Pouncey has just been announced as well. And you've got Vance McDonald as well. Their tight ends just left. So, you know, they've got room on the salary cap, but the offence has taken quite heavy hits from retirements and people leaving. So I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll go there just because they don't have the, the need. Unless he takes, like I said, a crazy discount to be with his brothers, but and Juju's going as well, isn't he? He's well, he's free agent. I think, I think he will. I think he will leave. Yeah, they've got Claypool. They've got other talent at wide receiver, so that I don't think they need to spend the money there, and they need to look at getting a QB because Big Ben can't play forever. Yeah, true. So, Corvette, Corvette. Interesting for the Steelers. I think I, I obviously don't blame JJ Watt for wanting to leave the Texans. They were about to go through what is going to be a massive rebuild. He's thirty-one. He's been in the league ten years. Um, he's won the Defensive Player of the Year three times, five Pro Bowls, and a total of 101 sacks in that 10-year span, which is which is great. Um, obviously, one thing I did notice in his farewell video to the Texans fans, I don't know whether you boys saw it, he was wearing a Wisconsin University hoodie. That's where he went to school. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anything screams, take me to Green Bay, than wearing a Wisconsin hoodie. Well, they're 28 million over the cap, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I think that that'll... Obviously, that, I think that's where he wants to go. Whether they can do that or not is a different question. There's a few other teams. I think, obviously, he wants to go to a contender. So, we'll see where he lands. It's an interesting story. Well, this is a Dallas Cowboys podcast, isn't it? So, it wouldn't be right if we didn't mention <laughs> Dallas. A Dallas Cowboys podcast. I repeat, not a Dallas Cowboys podcast. Well, I think Dallas would be a good landing spot for him. <laughs> we tried to uh, we tried to add Everson Griffin in last year in an attempt to compliment Demarcus Lawrence and improve the defensive line. It didn't work. But Watt is a much better player. We've got the cap space to facilitate it. We've got 18.4 million in room. Tyron Crawford is retiring, or no, not retiring. He's hitting free agency. So if you want to stay in Texas, I think come to Jerry, the baby. The problem is, though, Charlie and, and Jack, I think he wants to play for a contender, like someone that can win a Super Bowl. So maybe not Dallas. See, man, I think, I think the Cowboys is a logical move for him because we were 20th in the NFL for... Uh, sacks in 2020 which is just disgusting so there's a need there obviously our pass rush is is not good at the moment D-Law can only do so much by himself he came good end of last year he did he did sort yeah out. I agree he did um, but there's only so much one man can do when you're getting double teamed every game you need someone else that's equally if, if not equally it's not always going to find someone like Tank but close to the threat that Tank poses on the other side going back to what Charlie said I don't think what would mind staying in Texas, he said about his love for Texas. So I think as a location, Dallas is prime for him as well. And I can just see Jerry Jones loving to make a Texas splash in free agency. Jerry Jones is one of those one of those guys, one of those GMs or, or owners that just loves big names. Yeah. JJ Watt is a big name in the league. And that gets everyone talking about Dallas again, just like we always do, because apparently that's America's team. So there you go. Um, I'm glad you said it, mate. First stage is admitting it. I just think um, the main issue there is money and that the Cowboys still have to address. Dak Prescott, before they look at someone like what in the, in the free agency market. Decisions Cowboys have to make before they go there. That obviously, other other landing spots I, th- I thought were quite interesting. I think the Bills would be a good place for him. Their, their pass rush was anemic this year. <laughs> and that would be a big upgrade. Yeah. No, it genuinely would be. That, that, was, that was their main issue, wasn't it? Their pass rush on defence. They've got a decent secondary. They've got... Obviously, Josh Allen and, and Diggs. Bills would be a good spot for him, I think. Yeah, I can see that. It depends what he um, what he's looking for in, in a move. Does he want to win now or does he want to continue a career for a certain amount of years and build a franchise up? 
if you look at teams like the, the books and move to the books, their D is already absolutely filthy. Um, you know, you've got Pierre Paul, Devin White, David, Shaq Barrett, Golston. That's a defence that if you put him on, as well as their offence already absolutely frying, he, he could win another ring again. So it depends what he wants in a move, I think. I'm of the opinion he wants to win now, which is why he's left the Texans. And I think he goes to one of those one of those sort of upper echelon playoff teams this year that has either made it to a divisional or conference championship. Yeah, I think so. But, um, yeah, which rules the Cowboys out, RIP. Which massively rules the Cowboys out. But NFC East, baby. Strongest in the uh, NFL. Maybe next year, but NF- NFC least, I thought. That was what we were called yeah. this year, <laughs> but never mind. Um, yeah, the final team I had for that was the Ravens. As well, um, Ooh, yeah, yeah man, he'd help the pass rush as well. They finished outside the top ten in twenty twenty um, for sacks, and he'd make a pretty good D line as well if you put him up with like Calais Campbell, who's an absolute demon. You know, Yannick Ngakwe is a pending free agent, but if they can keep him, right? I wanted him in Seattle instead of um, Dunlap, but Dunlap turned out all right. So I'll yeah, take but, but yeah, mate, I could imagine him on the Ravens, man. That's the team that's not far off a playoff run. I mean, they, they've got to be close, haven't they, the Ravens? But yeah, I mean, obviously, we, I think I could talk about where JJ Watt was landing and, and all these other stories for for ages. We've got our last one for today. Otherwise, this episode's going to be going to be quite long, I think. And, and Jack's going to curse us editing, so we'll figure this out. Um, so, last story. Obviously, I think this happened before the Super Bowl. Am I right, boys? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. It did. Obviously, uh, a bit late on this one, but we had to unpick a Super Bowl first, and that was probably more important. Uh, we've got the uh, the Stafford and Goff trade between the Rams and the Lions. We saw uh, Matt Stafford traded for two first round picks, a third round pick, and Jared Goff, which may- means the Rams. I couldn't believe this. Is set are set to go seven consecutive seasons without a first round pick, and that's from the years twenty seventeen to twenty twenty three. Yeah, their last first round pick was Jared Goff, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, but I think their uh, I think their Super Bowl window is closing, and I think they're starting to realise that we've got all these good players. We need to win now and not worry about the next two or three years. You know. Um, so yeah, obviously we've got the the sort of the probably the biggest trade thus far this year. Obviously, big move for Stafford. I think he he was probably pretty underappreciated in Detroit. Not a lot of people saw him. Um, so he's the Detroit's all-time leader in completions. Passing touchdowns, passing yards, wins, but didn't win a single playoff game in his 12 years in the Lions. He's, he's 0-3. And this one, actually, I thought was quite an interesting stat. It's the first time number one overall picks have been traded. Both Stafford and Goff were, were drafted number one overall. So what did you think about this one? Well, the draft capital that Jared Goff has cost the Rams is disgusting, to be quite frank. Four first-rounders two second rounders, three third rounders and a fifth rounder. Yeah, I don't think we see that happening again. <laughs> no, for context, the Rams, uh, they're in, I think they were in St. Louis at the time, they, they traded up to get Goff number one overall. So obviously they used a few draft picks getting up to number one and then have traded him for two first rounders to get an older quarterback who, who was on slightly less money, but I would obviously argue is, is far more talented than yeah. him. Yeah, he is a gun. Yeah, I just think the Rams have shown that they have absolutely no fear flipping draft capital to get established stars on the team. And it's a risky trend, but it's turned out to be one that's gone okay for the Rams so far. Like you said, they've used it to land Goff himself. But I think this trade has set the bar for people like Watson and Dak, people that aren't necessarily holding down a secure future. Wilson as well, if you want to include him in the potential trade talks, as to what sort of value a top-tier QB can get. If Stafford can pull this sort of draft yeah. capital in from a team, granted they're desperate and you can see why the deal went that way if you break it down, 
you know, you're looking at multiple, multiple first round picks and then some for top talent as well as what you have to then pay them. I think it's crazy, man. This trade, I think, makes it really difficult for Watson to get traded because the Rams gave up so much for an older QB. And from what, I, what I've what i read and, and what I've understood, no one was offering anywhere close to the Lions for Stafford, like what, what this was. So... Again, I think it drives the price up for Watson and other QBs to be traded. I obviously don't love the move. It makes the Rams very good. And I think the Rams have got to be careful, though. I think who are their two best players, you would argue, on their defensive side of the ball? It's obviously Donald and Ramsey. You do not find that talent outside of round one. It's just impossible. I mean, you'd have to trust your scouting department, but I would worry for them if they don't win a Super Bowl now because their team will be decimated in a few years if they don't win. Well, yeah, break down the trade. If the Rams end up giving their first round picks that end up in the 20s or later, they'd have given what on a points basis. And then you look at Carolina who are offering an eighth overall pick. You know, that is the equivalent to 26th overall picks. If you look at the, uh, have you ever seen the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart? what they gave up on their first rounders and their hopes of where they're going to end up with those picks um, and the success that Stafford can give the Rams. You know, you're not losing a lot of value there. They're getting a clean break from Goff, offloading his deal onto another team rather than having to... Uh, Cut him and... Yeah, of course, it, yeah. which was going to be huge. If you look at his contracts, I think it's $43 million if they just cut him. And then the third rounder that they're giving up as well is essentially getting going back to them as a compensatory pick because the Lions hired Brad Holmes as their new GM. So, you know, if you yeah. break it down, the value is there. It's massive value, obviously, because it's still draft capital. But the Rams were looking at that from a different perspective and thinking, well, actually, you know, a lot of this, if it ends up being a good trade for yeah. us, isn't that huge. But I think not a lot of teams are in that situation where they can look back and think, yeah, a first round pick for us isn't very valuable. It didn't matter, yeah. I think obviously these picks, as you said, that we'll expect the Rams to make the playoffs the next few years with Stafford. So they will be 20 plus yeah. these picks you'd expect. Obviously, I don't actually think it's a bad deal for either side. I don't think that either side can really look at it and go, we got hoodwinked here. I think the Lions will probably be happy with what they've got. Um, whether Goff's their long-term starter, I, I don't know. Maybe they draft someone, but we'll see. They're in a big rebuild again. So. Yeah, Charlie, have you got any thoughts on the uh, trade? No, and I've just smashed loads of glass. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that that sounds like a good a good time for us to, to wrap up. So obviously that's that's all we've got time for. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. Uh, go and follow our Instagram. It's Helmet to Helmet Podcast UK. And obviously we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening. 